Food Heals Nation, what have you been doing lately when it comes to truly caring for your skin? Have you tried any of the light therapy facials or the LED masks? I've shared on this show how I use lasers to completely remove my brown spots in the past, and I love anything that can help me with wrinkles or blemishes or redness or scars. I find a lot of great products on YouTube that I test out, and I've just discovered a new brand. It's called Lima, and when you see the before and afters on YouTube, you're going to be a convert too. They are changing the way that you care for your skin on actually a profoundly scientific level. This is the Lima laser. It's the world's most powerful clinic grade cosmetic laser device and the only laser FDA cleared for at home use. Why this is important is because I was spending, I'm not going to tell you how much, way too much money years ago when I was getting rid of those brown spots when I was really healing my skin. And now This same type of technology is available at home, and I'm here for it. I am so excited. So this is a near-infrared laser light that penetrates deep into the dermis, simultaneously working on your fat, muscle, and bone to give you like a non-surgical facelift. It transforms your skin. It helps skin issues like wrinkles, sagging, blemishes, pigmentation, redness, breakouts, and scars. And it does this with zero damage, zero pain, and zero downtime. And I remember the lasers that I used to do, they did have some downtime, so this is great. Make sure to check out some of the before and after photos on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. They have YouTube videos too. But the reason it's groundbreaking is it uses that near-infrared low-level light technology, which is completely cold and painless, and it's 100 times more powerful than an LED. And the craziest part is you can even use it with a full face of makeup. So check it out for yourself. Visit lima.life. L is for live. Y is for younger. M is for masterful. A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima Laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's lima.life, L-Y-M-A dot life. Food Heals Podcast, Episode 76. He put his personal phone number on the soap. On every wow. box. And if you called it, he would talk to you. Maybe you'd wish you hadn't called it. because. <laughs> <laughs> Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to actually start using their $39.99 a month gym membership. If you experience any of these symptoms, Snapchat your trainer immediately. All right, welcome Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody. And I'm Susie Hardy. Today's guest is Lisa Bronner. Lisa is a stay-at-home mom to three growing kids, a sister, a wife, and a daughter to those who run Dr. Bronner's Magic Soaps, one of our favorites, by the way. (laughs) And she's actually the granddaughter of the founder himself, Dr. Emmanuel Bronner. Lisa will be a guest speaker at the Take Back Your Health Conference in April, which we will also be attending. Can't wait. Lisa is an expert in non-toxic skincare, home care, and lifestyle products. She has a great lifestyle blog called Going Green with Bronner Mom. 
But before we get to our interview with Lisa, we have to tell you about today's sponsor. Today's show is sponsored by Acuity Scheduling. Are you sick of booking clients through email ping pong? You suggest a time, then they suggest a time, and before you know it, you've spent hours wasting that time just to book one person. Yes, it's the worst. Or maybe it's phone tag. You call them, leave a message, they call you, leave a message. All this wasted time trying to book an appointment that works for you both. It's frustrating, it's wasting time that you could be spending on building your business. That's exactly where Acuity founder Gavin Zuklinski found himself once upon a time in the year 2000. He saw his dear mom, Kim, struggling with her massage therapy business, just like Susie has. That's right. Just as she'd settled in to begin a session with a client, the phone would ring, instantly birthing a pit in the bottom of her stomach. Should she leave the client and get to the phone? Should she leave the phone to be with the client? How was she supposed to do it all? After all, she only had so many hands. And in a job where your hands are what people are paying for, this wasn't just a cute dilemma. It was her bottom line. That's right. So Zuklinski decided there had to be a better way, and he built it. Acuity now supports over 50,000 businesses and major corporations and has had a digital hand in helping to schedule millions of appointments and scheduling logistics worldwide. And Susie, I have to say, Acuity has definitely helped us in our business. We use it to book all our guests on the Food Heals podcast, and Susie was a little apprehensive at first. I was. I absolutely was. You know, I'm kind of tech-challenged. I'm sort of self-taught. You know, I'm in my 30s. I'm not a millennial. I wasn't born knowing how to wield all this stuff, and it's constantly changing. Sure. And I think many people can understand that. Just as you learn one thing, then the technology changes. But when you said we were going to switch to Acuity... I was like, oh no, how do I, what do I have to learn? I don't even know how to do this. It's, hi, I need, a, I need, a, I need someone to teach me. <laughs> no, I did not need someone to teach me. I needed to take the plunge and just, it was very easy to learn. And once I did, I thought, oh my God, we wasted so much time before yep. trying to schedule our guests. It's so easy. It's so easy. The guests can just book themselves. They can fill out the form. And they can reschedule themselves. Yes. I mean, they have to cancel. They have to reschedule. They can do it all on their own. It's brilliant. And it goes straight to our calendar. So our calendar tells us who we have, when they're coming, everything. It's fantastic. I love it. So Food Heals Nation, if you run a business, book appointments, or just need some organization in your life, you owe it to yourself to check out Acuity Scheduling. Go to acuityscheduling.com slash foodheals to get a free 45-day trial. That is such a good deal. It's usually 14 days, but we scored an exclusive deal for you. So you can try it out. Acuityscheduling.com slash foodheals. Next up, our interview with Lisa Bronner. The Food Hills Podcast starts now. Our guest today is Lisa Bronner. Lisa's family business, Dr. Bronner's, is committed to honoring the vision of the founder, Dr. E.H. Bronner, by making socially and environmentally responsible products of the highest quality and by dedicating their profits to help make a better world. Lisa Bronner believes with real information comes power and sound judgment. Lisa feels that organic and natural are becoming mainstream, and we must wade through an ever denser quagmire of false claims and misleading wonder products in our efforts to achieve a greener lifestyle. Lisa is ready to help educate the public on what is safe and what is not, and what is really organic. Such an important topic, That's Food Heals right. Nation. Welcome, Lisa. Thanks so much, Allison and Susie. It's great to be here. Oh, we're so happy to have you. Absolutely. So we just did your bio, but just tell our Food Heals Nation a little bit about you and who you are, what you do. Absolutely. 
Well, whenever somebody asks me what I do, the first thing is that I'm a mom. And that is first and foremost my main job and main time consumer of my day. I've got three kids mm -hmm. that are in grade school and they they take a lot of my time and my attention and a lot of my decisions are based on their well-being. And so when I came to the topic of living a healthy lifestyle, they were my top priority. But I had the advantage of being in a position to get a lot of good information because of my family's connection with the organic industry through mm -hmm. Dr. Bronner's and my brother's activism in the industry. And so I knew a lot about what was good information and what was misleading information, what were marketing gimmicks and what were real concerns. But I realized not everybody had a connection to that sort of information stream. And so I started my blog, Going Green with a Bronner Mom, my main audience, my main intended audience was moms. I wanted moms like myself who don't have time to wade through all the information and don't have the resources to give them easy, quick, simple information of what's worth giving your time and attention to and what's not. And so this is a huge area and there's a lot of different topics within it. And so it's definitely a journey, which is why I call my blog Going Green, because we are just walking along together for a while. Absolutely. I love that. And there's so many moms and people out there who are just craving this information. And I know that it's hard to distinguish sometimes between what does natural really mean? What do these labels mean on these health and beauty products and home products? And especially when you have kids, you want to create a really healthy home environment for them. And so how would you start out giving advice to someone who just wanted to green their home, green their environment, green their kids, meals, and etc.? The first step is for anybody, a mom or otherwise, to educate themselves. And it, it would be so easy if we could trust other people to provide us with information and to do our thinking for us. But that, unfortunately... Wouldn't it, wouldn't it though? <laughs> that would be so much easier. But we, we just can't do that. And we've had decades of, of history of, of companies misleading consumers, of the government not intervening where perhaps they should have, and people really letting others do their thinking for them. And so the very first step is for a mom or any individual to take the matter into their own hands. At first, it will be a very steep learning curve. And I'm not saying that people need to go out and get a degree in chemistry and in, in food science and such, but there, there are things that they need to learn and things that they need to do. The first thing I encourage people to do is to read labels. Regardless of if we're talking about food or if we're talking about body care products or house cleaning products, read the label and see what's there, see what's not there. When it comes to food, that's where we have the most information, where the labeling laws are the most stringent. You have the ingredient list, and if you can read it, if it makes sense to you, you understand what the things are, they sound like real food that your grandmother would recognize as real food, then that's a good sign. If it sounds like you need a chemistry degree to understand <laughs> what the ingredients are, that's not a good sign. That's a sign of something that you wouldn't want to put in your body. So when it true. comes to personal care products, the ingredients don't have to be on there. However, uh, if they are on there, that's a good sign that a company is willing to be transparent. But even if they are on there, there are going to be a lot of terms you don't understand. 
And so you can look at resources such as the Environmental Working Group, which is a third-party independent research organization that has a vast array of knowledge on their website, both for personal care and food and house cleaners. And they break down all of those ingredients. And at first, as I said, it's a lot of information to digest. But as you are reading those labels, as you're looking into what they mean, you're going to find brands that you trust. You're going to learn a lot and eventually be able to make very informed decisions regarding what you're bringing into your house, what you're feeding into your, your own body, into your children, into the people around you, and what other products you're surrounding yourself with. I love that advice. The Environmental Working Group, EWG.org, is a perfect place to start. And you can get so much information there. And they even rate your products. You can kind of see where they fall on the scale. So I think that's a really good point. And how did you guys get started with the company, Dr. Bronner's? Where did it all begin? That is a crazy story. Oh, yes. That's our favorite kind. We want to hear it. All right. So so my grandfather, Dr. Bronner, he was from a German-Jewish soap-making family in the town of Heilbronn, Germany, and they'd been making soap for several generations there. They had several uh, soap-making factories, but being Jewish, that was a problem in the earlier part of the 1900s, and my grandfather... When we're not entirely sure what inspired him, but even before the rise of the Nazi party, my grandfather was already seeing that there was a huge problem in the world as far as people not listening to one another, people not accepting one another. And he started to develop his philosophy that he called the moral ABC. Mm-hmm. And the basic tenet is that we are all one, we're all brothers and sisters on this spaceship Earth, he called it. Mm-hmm. Well, coming from an Orthodox Jewish family, his ideas were rather radical, especially to his dad. And his dad didn't appreciate my grandfather talking about these things in the soap company. It was disruptive and and causing tension. He asked my grandfather to stop talking about his philosophy or he needed to leave. Wow. And so in 1929, my grandfather emigrated from Germany to the United States. Mm Mm-hmm. At this time, he'd already become a master soap maker through the guild system in Germany. Mm -hmm. And so he had all of that knowledge with him. Uh, But he was no less passionate once he got to the United States. And he would speak about his philosophies and he would speak about environmental causes. And we're talking now the 1930s, long before anybody really was talking about environmental causes, environmental concerns. So one of the issues that disturbed him greatly was the issue of fluoridating the water supply. Yes. And there is a topic that hasn't really gone away. And he was very, very passionate that that was a form of mass poisoning. Mm-hmm. And that had nothing to do with soap making, right? That was just something that he was passionate about. Absolutely. And okay. so much of what he was had very little to do with soap making. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just an aside. Quite- a strange crossroads we came to. So my grandfather was speaking about these radical theories at the time and and not really being well received. He had this heavy German accent in the middle of World War II and he was in the Chicago area 
And after one particularly impassioned speech, uh, he was arrested. Mm. And the charge against him was for speaking without a permit. But in the aftermath of his arrest, he was, I use the word incarcerated, for lack of a better term, in a mental institution in Illinois. Oh, my God. With no, with no diagnosis. I mean, there was nothing. There was nothing mentally wrong with him. You know, the line between recognizing a genius and a madman sometimes is very, very slim. And <laughs> and so he was incarcerated in this mental institution in Elgin, Illinois, and he was there for quite a few number of years. He tried to escape several times. I, as I told you, this is a crazy story. Yeah, I'm this not is, making this up. This should be a movie. It <laughs> could be a movie. Well, uh, yes, I've heard that one before, too. So he tried to escape several times. And on his third attempt, so the story goes, that his sister, who had also fled Germany mm-hmm. and was a professor of chemistry at Boston College, she had come to visit him and had taken him out to lunch. And so the story goes, she had gone to the ladies' room, he took $5 from her purse and fled. Good for him. (laughs) And so from there, he says he hitchhiked from Chicago to Los Angeles, stopping to work along the way as he needed to, to raise money, and he landed in Los Angeles in the late 40s. Well, his passion had not diminished at all through this experience, and he was even more concerned with the fate of the world in the aftermath of World War II, and the rise of the nuclear age, the rise of communism. He was convinced we were on the brink of self-annihilation. And so he would go and speak in Pershing Square in Los Angeles, which is was kind of still is a place where people take their ideas and speak to whoever passes by and he would yep. speak on, yeah, <laughs> he would speak on his theory of the moral ABC and and all one um, brothers and sisters and to thank people for stopping to listen to him speak he would give him, them a bottle of his peppermint castile soap oh wow that's cool. so this is where the two roads converge the soap and and his philosophy. Well, he wait, noticed- wait, wait. I, I just, can we just insert? He yeah. was on a soapbox giving out soap. <laughs> okay. I had to. I'm sorry. Yes. Please continue. Absolutely. And so he noticed, though, that people were coming by and taking a bottle of soap and not staying to hear him speak. Mm-hmm. And to solve that problem, he then wrote his philosophy on the label of the soap so that when people took the soap they would also be taking his philosophy and when they got stuck in the bathroom as happens to everybody they would inevitably read his writings that is genius i love that so that is why the label is the way it is that they are his writings on our labels if you look at every different fragrance that we have they're all different parts of his writings. There, there's no repetition across the labels. So uh, we also have published it in a book so that you can read it without going blind or without standing in the shower. Uh, that's so cool. And I love the look of the Dr. Bronner's product, uh, products. They just have such a unique, interesting look. And you know when you walk into a store, wherever you are, you see it online, you know exactly what it is. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Very cool. That is a fascinating story. I wish um, I wish there was, you know, an even label 
somewhere on uh, else on the bottle. I don't remember if the bottles are completely filled with uh, writings from your grandfather, but I, that is a fascinating story. And I always love to hear how things evolve. I think it gives you a context and makes so much sense. I mean, your grandfather was a visionary. He was, and it's really an amazing, amazing story. It's it's inspiring that despite the number of obstacles in his life, that instead of turning to hatred and bitterness, he turned into this drive, this hope, this optimism, even this passion to better mankind. I don't know how he managed to, to take that path. Well, I love that. And so how did he then make this such a huge business and such a well-known brand that it is today? Or did that happen after? When did this happen that it grew to be such a household name? Well, he did a lot on his own. So he was in Los Angeles. We date the founding of Dr. Bronner's as a company to 1948 Mm -hmm. when he was basically brewing up batches of soap in his tenement apartment in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so eventually, though, the, in the area, he became rather well-known and, and made enough sales that he was able to purchase a factory down in the San Diego area and go from there. As I said, the peppermint soap, the peppermint liquid soap was our first was his first product. He added other liquid fragrances, all of them, scented with essential oils, no synthetic fragrances in them at all. Uh, even the baby mild unscented one was a special request from the UCLA maternity ward wanting a pure Castile soap but no scent so that it was it was gentle enough for the infants in their care. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually he added the bar soap line. Now, once again, the crossroads of the environmental movement and then his philosophies for world peace met in the countercultural movement of the 60s and 70s and he was he was sort of discovered by the hippies I guess you could say <laughs> as he was he'd been saying all along the things that they had started to say then as well mm-hmm. and so in southern california it's a perfect place for him to be he he found quite an audience he would have these tuesday nights open Mike things at his house we still hear people saying oh yeah I used to used to drop in and it sounded like just everyone sitting in a circle and sharing their ideas I'm sure my grandfather had a good bit to say and so by word of mouth he he spread the soap spread uh, people started to realize that the whole better living through chemistry promotion was was not true that that yeah. was causing a lot of problems in the world and and here was my grandfather making this soap with olive oil with coconut oil with very pure ingredients um and advocating for taking care of the earth uh, and so he's i guess you could say in the right place at the right time or you know he was organic before organic was organic yeah <laughs> <laughs> before it was cool before it was just, it was just soap absolutely right it was just Perhaps soap a that's happy medium uh, a happy medium there um by the end of the i would say by the end of the 70s amongst the, the camping scene the hikers uh people spending a lot of time outdoors the soap was was a was a household name definitely not though mainstream at all and perhaps that didn't come about until uh, my brothers took it over, my brother, my oldest brother, David, in the late uh, 90s. And that's where, that's where this, it, it kind of took off in a different direction. But my grandfather's uh, story, it got even 
I don't know, even more impressive with the fact that my grandfather went blind. Mm. By, by about 1970, he was blind. I know he was blind before I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet the power of his personality and his, his total commitment to what he was doing, it really resonated with people. He put his personal phone number on the soap, on every wow. box. And if you called it, he would talk to you. Maybe you'd wish you hadn't called it because <laughs> <laughs> he would talk to you. And if you wanted to talk about soap, if you wanted to talk about the label, it, he, w- he would talk to whoever called. And in fact, um, he was a little particular. And if somebody didn't want to talk about the label or if they if they were opposed to his ideas he sometimes wouldn't even sell them the soap so he didn't follow maybe the best marketing rules there but he never spent any money on advertising it was all word of mouth the power of his own personality uh and so he was somebody wouldn't give up he wrote letters to every sitting president um encouraging them towards a more peaceful world a more environmentally um safe world uh, i mean environmentally conscious world so he was kind of kind of one of a kind there. He sounds like someone I wish I could have known. I would have loved to have talked to your grandfather. Now, Lisa, quick question. Was he an actual doctor? He was not. He was not. He just so, fancied himself one. Or was, he fancied himself one, or was that something that was added? How did Dr. Bronner come along? Well, somewhere in the transition from Germany to America, the doctor found its way onto his name. It's kind of hard to get a straight answer from him on that, but... <laughs> I feel that the best explanation he gave was that the the process of becoming a master soap maker in Germany, he felt, was equivalent to the title of a of an academic doctorate in the United States. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was it was self bestowed. Mm-hmm. Okay. He would have been my doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So what does the eighteen in one uses thing really mean? So the Castile soaps are incredibly versatile. Yeah. And if you look at the history of our labels, which we did recently, last year we we revamped the label, which really means we went back to how it used to look. If you compare if you compare the labels from last year to the year before, they're still the same color, the same number amount of writing on it, but it it just got tweaked back to how it used to look, a little more precise, a little more dynamic. So the history of the label, if you look at it, from 1948 up until probably about 1988, the number of uses increased. You know, at first it was like three and one, then nine and one, then twelve and one, and then and then he got to eighteen and one, and then I think he just stopped adding mm-hmm. the number um, because the number of uses for our soap is endless. We constantly have people emailing us, calling us, telling us of some use they had for the soap, de-skunking their dog, cleaning their <laughs> carpet. Uh, some uses we can't endorse just for liability purposes, but we're glad it works for those people. Can you please <laughs> give one away? <laughs> Something strange and oh, unusual? Well, uh, Funny? The, the enema one is one I get a good bit. Um, ah. uh, so, you know, I'm glad I'm glad it works. Uh, people, Some people saying they drink the soap. We really don't recommend doing that. <laughs> But, um, you know, hey, I'm not going to come into your house and tell you what to do. Uh, but the thing is, the soap is formulated as a body soap. It is, is, is formulated to be the perfect soap for our skin. The, the combination of the olive oil and the coconut oil 
is is just uh, it's nourishing. It doesn't strip the oils. It works with our bodies. And then the addition of hemp oil and jojoba oil mm-hmm. leave a, a super soft after feel. Yeah. And so when people hear about our soap, I really don't want them to hear first, oh, it's great on your dog. Because then they're like, well, I would never use a dog soap on my body. But no, it's it's for your body. It's meant for your body. However, it's also fantastic for cleaning anything that needs to be cleaned. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's really um, something that harkens back to times gone past where products were made of quality and you could use them for multiple things. And that's kind of gone the way of the dodo in this day and age where things are very specific. This is for your dog and this is for your hair and this is for, you know, your cat. And, you know, and and that's back when things were of quality and you could use them for multiple uses. Right. Well, a lot of that, a lot of that is marketing. I mean, how do you get people to buy more products? Well, convince them that for some reason the dirt that's on on your body is different than the dirt that's on, you know, your counter. But even more so than that, think about the specific products we have for our body. I mean, think about uh, a conventional bathtub and the dozens of bottles that can be in there because you have a, a face soap and a body soap and a, and a foot soap and <laughs> different scrubs and hair. It, it's just amazing yeah. that we've been kind of sold this line of, of specialization, which is totally fabricated. Absolutely. And I love how you use all these wonderful oils in your products and I was just wondering what are some you know ingredients in typical products that we need to avoid because even if you think you're getting the most natural the most organic the most close to nature product there's still so many toxic ingredients and preservatives in there and I know you said you know if you read it and you need a a chemistry degree (laughs) then it's probably out but can you give some specific examples of like these are no-nos that we do not want in our soaps in our hair care in our shampoo whatever Right, right. Well, the first ingredient I look for in personal care products that I don't want to see mm-hmm. is sodium laureth sulfate. Yes. That one in particular, because it's so common, not necessarily because it's the worst, but because it is just so common. The problem with sodium laureth sulfate, despite the fact that it's drying uh, and, and stripping of the natural oils in our skin, the process of making it, it's a synthetic detergent. The process of making it, it's called ethoxylation, and it can produce a byproduct, a carcinogenic byproduct, a known carcinogen called 1,4-dioxane. Now, 1,4-dioxane will never appear in an ingredient list because it's not added to a product. It's a byproduct. It comes just through the process of making it. And there have been studies where products have been pulled off shelves, even supposedly green, safe products, have been taken just from store shelves and analyzed for the presence of 1,4-dioxane, and a scary number of these products came back positive Mm -hmm. for this contaminant. And so anytime you see the ingredient of sodium laureth sulfate, as well as uh, numerous other what we call ethoxylated ingredients, they might have the word mireth, oleth, that E-T-H phrase can be the signal for it. Um, All of those carry the possibility of being contaminated with 1,4-dioxane. So that's that's going to be the first one I tell people to watch out for. Now, what about so- sodium laurel sulfate? So sodium laurel sulfate also should not be in body care products because it is drying uh, and it can be very irritating. 
it doesn't because it doesn't have that eth ending it indicates it hasn't gone through that process of ethoxylation so it's not going to have the danger of the 1,4 dioxane contamination however it's still very irritating and drying to the skin and to the body and it should not be on personal care products in fact um, one of my children had a problem with canker sores, recurring canker sores, and I'm doing research. What's you know what causes canker sores, and nobody knows. But then I found a website that happened to have a footnote that said there had been a small uh, possibility that there was a link between sodium lauryl sulfate and canker sores. Mm. Now, sodium lauryl sulfate is ubiquitous in conventional toothpaste, just ubiquitous because it foams and it produces all those lovely bubbles, but. I took my son off of sodium lauryl sulfate toothpaste, and his canker sores went away. Wow! And so, and then my my third child had the same problem, and uh, and so I use SLS free toothpaste for her as well. So the abbreviations you'll see there: sodium lauryl sulfate with the L A U R Y L. That's abbreviated SLS, and the the concern there is irritation. And then sodium laureth sulfate with L-A-U-R-E-T-H is S-L-E-S, and that actually has a carcinogenic concern as well. So we don't want anything, any of these. <laughs> Non-personal care products, absolutely not. Yeah, so other, other things to watch out for, um, the word fragrance. Uh, fragrance can be a, a combination of up to 3,000 different ingredients, many of whom are known allergens. Mm-hmm sensitizers which means it makes you sensitive or possibly allergic to other ingredients if you're wondering about our spikes and and sensitivities we have these days um so the term fragrance is a proprietary term nobody has to um open up and say what is in their fragrance no one's regulating that right nobody's regulating it at all it can anything can be in there and so if a company is not going to be voluntarily transparent about it that's a red flag to me you know if they don't want to tell me what's in there uh, you know why wouldn't they want me to know i agree so fragrance and parfum is sometimes is sometimes the phrase that they use for that as well Uh, and and parfum sounds so fancy (laughs) fancy and french (laughs) but it's not good (laughs) no it's not i mean the only thing that should be scenting our products is pure essential oils and so, uh, and if, if they're going to use pure essential oils, they're going to make sure you know that it contains pure essential oils because it's a more expensive route. So, you know, that's a, that's a red flag to look for. Could not agree more. All right, Food Heals Nation, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Lisa. She's going to tell us all about what she's going to talk about at the Take Back Your Health Conference coming up in L.A. And we're going to ask her all about her blog, Just for Moms. We'll be right back. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to the Food Heals Podcast, where you'll find the tools to become a hotter, healthier, happier you. We'll be right back with Allison Melody and Susie Hardy. Food Heals Nation, are you looking for the perfect scheduling tool for your business? Are you sick and tired of sending emails back and forth and wasting your precious time on scheduling your clients? If so, we've got the solution for you. That's right. If you own a massage business, a therapy practice, a yoga studio, and we know many of you do, or even host a podcast like us, 
Acuity is the only scheduling and time management tool you will ever need. Take it from us, Acuity allows you to schedule clients without sacrificing your soul. And automate your client bookings, cancellations, reminders, and even payment with one click and zero frustration. You're here to make yourself money, not make yourself crazy. Clients can see your real-time calendar availability, self-select the time that works best for them, and easily book and pay for their own appointments in advance, sparing you those stress headaches, mix-ups, and grunts of frustration. Before we had Acuity, we were spending a ton of time and energy with back-and-forth emails, trying to book guests, and sending them questions, and having to constantly follow up and send reminders. But Acuity changed everything. Yep, Acuity has completely automated our process and freed up our time to focus on the things we love to do, like providing our Food Heals Nation with high-quality content. Yes, so now instead of a mess of emails, we send our guest a booking link. They choose a time that works for them. They fill out our information form, which includes links to their website, their bio, their photo, and all the information we need, all in one place. Then the booking syncs automatically with our calendars and poof, we're done. Such a time saver. Such a lifesaver. And Acuity does so much more. Yes, you can automatically send branded and customized confirmations, reminders, and follow-ups via email or text message, and even accept payments and tips through Stripe, PayPal, Braintree, and Authorize.net with the click of a button. Get started today. Go to acuityscheduling.com slash foodheals to get a 45-day trial. That's an amazing deal, Food Heals Nation. It's usually 14 days, but we scored an exclusive discount for you, acuityscheduling.com slash foodheals. We love it, and we know you will too. All right, Food Heals Nation, we're back with Lisa Bronner. Although Lisa is tempted to say yes to so many worthwhile things, her top priority is her family. Lisa believes that regularly gathering the family around the dinner table is the single most important parenting act of her day. I love that, Lisa. So tell us a little bit about your blog, Going Green with Bronner Mom. Well, with my blog, I try to give people a bit of a, a sneak peek into into my running household with all of its messes and chaos and, <laughs> and goings-ons, but also how to make healthy choices in the midst of all of that and how to simplify things so, so that it's manageable for, for busy people, busy moms to make good choices for their family. That's great. What's your website? LisaBronner.com. Okay, perfect. So I know your brothers now run the Dr. Bronner's company, and they're really huge activists. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, yes. I think uh, I think the best description of our company is we call ourselves the Fighting Soap Company, because ever since my grandfather's day, we have been part soap company and part activist company. My grandfather's issues were fluoridation and world peace, and although those are still very important to us, we are super active on the fronts of GMO labeling, uh, on fair uh, trade and fair business practices. That's uh, awesome. Animal welfare yes. and animal activism, uh, as well as um, a fair uh, living wage reform mm -hmm. in the United States and elsewhere. And really our causes do go on quite a bit, but uh, but these ones are the ones where we are devoting most of our time, our resources, our money to getting the word out there and, and bringing about change in areas where people really think nothing can be done. 
I love that. And so can you give us some examples of things that you guys are doing to really create change? Absolutely. Well, one of the great areas that I'm most excited about, I've gotten to see a lot of it firsthand, is in the area of fair trade and sustainability. We are a manufacturing company. We, we have a huge supply chain. Our, our ingredients come from around the world. Mm-hmm. And when my brother, my oldest brother, David, took over the company in, uh, in 98, one of the early changes he made was to convert our major ingredients to organic and starting with the major ingredients and working our way down to the ingredients we use less of. And that was good. We made a lot of good changes there. And um, my brother is very vocal in the industry. He even um, brought to light other companies that were greenwashing, we call it, where they were making organic claims or subtly making hints that their products were organic when they weren't. Uh, My brother actually sued, um, uh, Dr. Bronner sued uh, other companies that he felt were making misleading claims on their labeling to to, uh, bring about organic integrity. I feel like that goes on a lot, that natural organic claims are made a lot and they're not really true. <laughs> yeah, because there's no there's no solid policing of the of the natural products industry or of, of personal care. Um, labeling requirements are not as stringent and such and so there you can make claims that are not 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 followed through on. And that's so unfortunate because you can make something really pretty with colors and the word organic on it and really sell to someone who is an innocent person just trying to make their health a little better. And it disgusts me, you know? And there yeah. are products literally called organics in their title that are so far from organic, it's laughable. Well, that's exactly it. And you see, we had already lost the term natural. The term natural, it was irrecoverable that that had, had been misused and overused and misapplied so much that it was gone. And even now, you see the word natural, it means absolutely nothing. You cannot make any assumptions based on seeing the word natural on a product. Right. Uh, so my brother was trying to catch the word organic before it went the same way. And so he, uh, he also... Um, pursued the federal government to come up with a meaningful uh, definition of the word organic and also to certify personal care products as organic under the USDA uh, organic seal. Uh, Initially, back in uh, when he took our company organic, there was no certification process for personal care products. And so he certified Dr. Bronner's products under the food standard which oh, was exorbitantly wow. expensive. <laughs> and so, but it, you know, it made a point. It made a point that it could be done. So, so organic was good and we made some good steps there. But the thing about organic is that it does not address at all the issue of labor, of the labor that goes into a product from the growing of the raw materials to the production it could still, it, you could have beautiful ingredients that are made without uh, g- genetic modification and synthetic pesticides and all of that stuff, but it could still be, be grown by people who are paid pittance and are living in slumming conditions and are not treated fairly. Mm. Uh, and so because organic didn't address that issue, David began to pursue the realm of fair trade. 
Mm-hmm. And this is where fair trade shines. Fair trade addresses the issue of labor, of fairness in the supply chain. And so we committed in 2006 to sourcing our uh, major ingredients, which is our olive oil, our coconut oil, our palm oil, our peppermint oil, through fair trade channels. Um, The problem was that fair trade channels did not exist in the quantities that we needed them. Mm -hmm. And so we had to found our own fair trade supplies throughout the world. And our first was a coconut oil mill in the island nation of Sri Lanka. And in the aftermath of the 2005 tsunami, uh, we had people that were there for other purposes, but they discovered that there is a huge supply of coconuts in Sri Lanka. That's not generally where coconut oil comes from. Coconut oil normally comes from Indonesia and Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a supply in Sri Lanka. The company needed investors to rebuild the nation. The tsunami was devastating there. And so we founded a company there called Surrendapal, which is a, a fair trade coconut oil mill, and it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I got to go there two years ago, and it's just a beacon in the area. In fact, we have just released, uh, the first week of March, we've released a documentary about this particular project. It's on our website, and you can see what a difference it's made. So there in Sri Lanka, for example, uh, this is what fair trade looks like. It looks like small family farmers, 1,200 small family farmers who now have a fair market for their coconuts. They have a a fair price for them. They're taught uh, organic practices for raising their their crops. Uh, They're supplied with organic compost to fertilize their crops. The, the coconuts are then processed at a mill where people are, it's a, it's a beautiful mill that's safe and has fair hiring practices, fair paying practices for the people. And so they, they're, they're treated well, they're guaranteed employment. And then on top of that, there is this fair trade premium that is paid into a fund that is for community benefit. And so, um, there's been a lot of community building that's happened there in Sri Lanka. There's um, a lot of contamination of their reservoirs. They have this gorgeous, elaborate system of reservoirs in Sri Lanka that they call tanks. And they're contaminated with this invasive hyacinth. It looks beautiful to us, but it's, 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 uh, it's contaminating the water supply. Mm. And the Fairtrade Fund has cleaned up a lot of these tanks. It's drilled wells um, where needed. It's installed bathrooms in schools and in private houses, provided uh, shoes and school supplies for all the children of the employees. You can just really see the tangible, real uh, results of, of a fair trade operation there. That's incredible. I mean, the fact that you guys started this and really made it happen is amazing because there's so many companies that wouldn't go to those links. So I really just commend you for doing that. I mean, fair trade isn't something that is talked about as much as organic and natural. And I feel like from what you're saying, it sounds like if you're buying organic but not fair trade, you know, you really got to look, can you, can you get both in one organic and fair trade? Then you're going to be buying the most responsibly you can and the most ethically, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, you can. It it is possible. And that's part of what we're trying to do as a company, not just to do it for our own sakes, but to show that, look, business can be done this way. Mm -hmm. You can be ethical and do things well and still be profitable at the same time. 
one of the other big um, ingredients that has gotten a lot of, of bad attention these days is the issue of palm oil, mm-hmm. both in food products and in personal care products. Because a lot of the production of palm oil around the world, uh, once again, uh, mainly in Indonesia and Malaysia, has resulted in a lot of habitat loss for wildlife, specifically orangutans. And honestly, the take that the media has given this issue is that palm oil is evil and there's no way possible to produce it that doesn't harm the environment. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not true. We use palm oil in our soaps, both in our bar soaps and in our liquid soaps. And because of this issue of of palm oil and habitat destruction, we founded our own palm oil organization in Ghana, Mm -hmm. so in Africa, called Surrender Palm. And once again, it's it's set up in a way that it is benefiting the farmers, teaching them practices of producing palm oil that builds up the soil, builds up the environment rather than rather than destroying it. And there, I, I. we had a wonderful uh, fair trade campaign where we went to our customers. We made this video. My brothers and I made this video. Uh, we were having a bed net campaign where we were matching dollar for dollar any contribution that people made to a uh, fund to provide 5,000 bed nets to the community mm-hmm. where our palm oil is produced. Well, the campaign was so successful that not only did we meet our goal of 5,000 bed nets, but we exceeded it by like $22,000, which was enough to build a maternity ward of a hospital right there in Ghana uh, for the community where our, where our operation is. So it's, it's showing that not only can palm oil be produced sustainably and without habitat destruction, but also um, can benefit the people around it as well. That is extraordinary, Lisa. I, my, um, and admittedly small amount of knowledge about palm oil is that, I mean, I could totally understand it for, for soaps, but um, if I go into, say, any kind of regular supermarket in Los Angeles, say a Ralph's, and uh, I pick up a package of bread or cookies, I often see palm oil, and I, I often wonder, is this necessary? What I understand is not only it destroys the habitat in Indonesia, because they Uh, slash and burn and destroy habitat for animals but then it also um, when they burn up the vegetation to clear the land to plant the palms releases a lot of the trapped carbon dioxide in the forest floor and I watched a whole series on this about how it's actually increasing the climate change of the planet exponentially just because they stick a lot of this palm oil in cookies and breads and things that we don't really need it i could understand it for soaps that makes sense to me but to stick it into processed foods why so it's extraordinary that not only you took it to a different place and then helped the community there that's fantastic it's amazing what you guys did i commend you thank you i wish there was more companies out there that were doing it and telling people about it well, that's what we're hoping happens. We're hoping that, you know, that we're kind of blazing a trail and that many, many other companies come behind us realizing that, you know, it's not just, oh, well, if you want to do business, you got to do it this way and you got to cut these corners. No, you can do business well and be ethical and responsible at the same time. And you guys are wildly successful. You're a household name. And it's not just... You know, it's like you're a household name and you're doing this. So it doesn't mean that when you do this, you're going to stay small, right? You can be huge and still 
do this. And I think that's an important message. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're getting to be, I mean, the growth is great, but sometimes too much growth can sink a company. And so uh, it's not, it's it's actually my brothers, my mom, my husband all uh, run the day-to-day operations of Dr. Bronner's. Uh-huh. And uh, we've had growth from the double digits for over a decade. And, uh, you know, you really got to be paddling hard beneath the surface to keep up with that. <laughs> but bet. it's good. Well, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing these stories. And I know that you're going to be a speaker at the Take Back Your Health conference that Susie and I will be covering. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're going to talk about, what the conference is about, and why you're part of it? Absolutely. Well, the Take Back Your Health conference is a, is a great, I, I love the title of it because it's it's about empowering individuals and the consumer, and that's really where the power needs to be. Uh, and so my participation in it, I've actually got two talks during the conference for the general audience on the Sunday. I'm talking about greening your routine, both mm-hmm. in personal care and in house care. I'm going to be talking about simplifying your routine, about understanding what you're doing and how you're doing it so that you can make choices that are, are healthy for you and for your household. And then on the Monday, there is a day dedicated to business owners, Mm -hmm. to people who want to do business but want to do business in a a healthy and sustainable way. And I'm going to be telling the story of Dr. Bronner's and uh, the lessons that we've learned as we've grown, uh, grown through the years. I love both of those topics. So Susie and I will be there covering it. We can't wait. And um, we did have Robin Shirley, who is the founding president of the Take Back Your Health Conference. And we are giving away two tickets to the conference. So if you want to learn how, go back to our episode with Robin Shirley. Listen to that episode and you can find out how you can win tickets to join all of us, Lisa, Susie, and Allison, and Robin at the conference. And um, can you leave us with a tweetable? Sure, sure. How about I leave you with two? Yes, we love two, even more than one. (laughs) All right, so here's my first one. An informed consumer is a smart consumer. You are your own best advocate. Love that. Tweet it to, what's your handle? Lisa Bronner. At Lisa Bronner. Okay, and what's your second one? The second one is a quote by Ann Lapp that I love. Mm-hmm. She says, every time you spend money, you're casting a vote for the kind of world you want. Perfect. I'm speechless. <laughs> it's fantastic. So tweet that to Lisa at Lisa Bronner. Tweet it to us at Food Heals Nation. Use the hashtag Food Heals Podcast so we can see your post, retweet you, heart you, love you, follow you, etc. So Lisa, tell everyone where they can find you online, stalk you. Pinterest you, whatever else. You're the first person to laugh at that. She says that all the time, and everyone's like, yeah, stalk me at. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, the best place to find me is at my blog, which is lisabronner.com, going green with a Bronner mom. And you can read about all of these crazy stories I have told you at the Dr. Bronner's website, drbronner.com. has lots about our activism, about our history, as well as our products. Awesome. And one last question. You mentioned a documentary. Where can we watch the documentary? Oh, well, the documentary about the Serendipal coconut oil production is on our website under the activism link. Okay. 
and then also there actually is a documentary about Dr. Bronner's. It's a it's a, a few years old now called Dr. Bronner's Magic Soapbox. You can check that out on our website as well. Very cool. I love documentaries. I will definitely check those out. Food Heals Nation, go to their website, drbronner.com. Check out those documentaries. LisaBronner.com, going green with a Bronner mom. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. We will see you at the conference. Sounds good. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to actually start using their $39.99 a month gym membership. If you experience any of these symptoms, Snapchat your trainer immediately.